0: what is going on everyone welcome to the real life from the bass kayak and beers podcast great to have you on it's always it's your boy Armando we got a great episode for you today Blake Knight my buddy from Central Texas joins me for this episode if you're not familiar with Blake Knight Blake Knight is a great angler like I mentioned from Central Texas Uh, good buddy of mine we've always enjoyed talking bass fishing he has a wealth of knowledge on bass fishing here in Texas and uh, winter bass fishing, which is some of the top subjects that we wanted to talk about in this episode. But honestly, we went down a couple of rabbit holes on this episode. We talk about tournament fishing, tournament directors, um, some of the big rule changes that have bis- recently been announced on the national trails. Just a uh, quick clarification on this this episode was recording in December when I was still with Paddle and Finn. Um, so the intro is for this week but actually the episode was recorded in December when the official announcement on rule changes and schedules for like Bassmaster hadn't officially been announced yet so that information is kind of outdated in some ways Uh, because we do talk a little bit about the schedule but unofficially because at that point in the recording it hadn't been announced but now they're It has been announced, and you can check it out on the Bassmasters uh, Facebook page. Also, the rule changes, we talk about it as to what we think they were going to be. Again, because they hadn't been announced yet, but now again, it has been announced. Hobie BOS uh, made the announcement on the new rule changes that they have for this year. And from what I understand, Bassmaster Kayak Series is adopted those same rules. So that information may be a little bit outdated. We speak of it as if it's about to happen. When, in fact, by the time you listen to this, it had already happened. But yeah, that's one of the challenges with recording a podcast. But anyways, it is a great episode, a great conversation. Hope you guys enjoy it. Remember, if you're listening on your favorite podcast streaming platform, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts, if it has like a rating system, if you don't mind, take a couple of seconds there to give us your thumbs up, your five-star reviews, whatever um, that streaming service has, you know, to quantify um, the rating system, just go ahead and, you know, we'll do our best to entertain you. And if you don't mind, we will love it if you give us your honest reviews and give us your thumbs up or five stars, whatever it is, really does help out with the growth of the podcast. So I really appreciate it. Feel free to also uh, share it with friends, share it on your social media platforms. We will love to get the word out there about kayak fishing. It does help grow the brand. For us and helps grow the sport. That's what we're here for. So, again, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Be shout out to my sponsor, Douglas Outdoors. Go to douglasoutdoors.com. Check out their full lineup of LRS um, conventional rods and X Matrix conventional rods. They're going to have a new rod lineup coming up sometime in the middle of 2023. Soon as that comes out, I'll I'll let you guys know so you can check it out, but you can follow them on social media on the Douglas spin and cast and check out the website, douglasoutdoors.com. Find your nearest local dealer and check out those amazing rods. So have a great time listening to this podcast. And again, thank you for tuning in. All right. I got Mr. Blake Knight from right here in Texas. Blake, how you doing, man? Man. Dude, thanks for having me on, man. I
1: am doing fantastic, bro. Um, just sitting here having a couple of beers. Got a uh, tr- Belgium Trapel uh, called Golden Monkey. Never had it, but pretty good. Is it good? Dude, not bad. Not bad. It's 9.5%, though. So we're just going to have one so I don't uh, <laughs> become a wreck
0: on here. Yeah. Let me ask you this. You recently moved from Dallas to Austin. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. How's the microbrewery scene in uh, Austin? Because I know when I moved here like 11 years ago, like we didn't have a lot. Like I didn't, like I moved from Puerto Rico for those that listen, listening to my podcast for the first time. I moved from Puerto Rico. My, only, my really, my big experience with living the continent to US was visiting Colorado. I used to go a lot. I still do mm-hmm. to go snowboarding and skiing. And that is like the Mecca of microbreweries. Like Colorado for the last thirty years. I mean, you couldn't open a restaurant unless you have your own microbrewery. I was always yeah. impressed. When yeah. I moved to Texas eleven years ago, I was kind of disappointed because I couldn't find like microbreweries. Like but now they're popping everywhere. But I know Austin is a, Austin is like the least Texas city in Texas. <laughs> and it's funny because it's the capital. <laughs> Uh, but what, what's the beer scene over there?
1: Okay. So the local beer scene is really good and it, it's gotten to this point now. I don't even know if we really call them micro brews anymore. Yeah. I don't think so. I
0: may be outdated there.
1: No, I like, you're not dating yourself because when I was in college, like that was definitely what, what we called them. Um, but now it's just like a lot of really small, like startup things. And like, um, you know, like when I was in Dallas where I lived before, There was definitely like, you know, local regional stuff there that I like came to really like, well, I moved to Austin and there's a place. It's only like 30 minutes from me. It's called Pint House Pizza and they have Pint House Brewing and they make a hazy IPA. If you're a fan of that stuff called Electric Jellyfish, it's the best beer I've ever had. Period. Like really bar none. It is amazing. I I can't I like the four packs of them are like seventeen dollars. That's oh, I've, yeah, so. I've seen those
0: here.
1: <laughs> Crazy, expensive, but dude, so good. And their logo is just badass. It's a skull and crossbones. So, I mean. Yeah,
0: I've you? seen those here. And yeah. uh, there's some certain like gas stations that bring like a yeah, yeah, yeah. lot of like cool microbrewery, uh unknown uh, beers, and it's always not fun to try them. Dude, um, that
1: was like my first experience with. I guess you know, like when you're in college, um, and like you know, we're you know, you're having keg parties and stuff like that. I mean, you're always drinking like Keystone or like Shiner Bach or <laughs> uh-huh. I like,
0: remember what? Schaefer. I used to drink Schaefer. <laughs> but they still have him in the Caribbean islands. Like, really? Kind of, like in uh, in in British Virgin Island and, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. I don't know why you can still find him there, but it's that's the only place that I've seen him yeah it's so horrible <laughs> my like
1: <laughs> my like uh, opening into that world was uh there's a place like on south austin um you know like when we come up here at a party called yeah like a uh, yellow store or like yellow gas station and we went in there they had all these beers that weren't like you know Michelob ultra and miller light and coors light and stuff like that so that kind of was like my first experience of being like oh my god there is so much like beer and and amazing stuff that like, I have no idea about. So um, that, that kind of got me into, you know, having, especially like trying beers, man. I'm the same way with like fishing baits. Like if I see something new, even if I know there's something I like, I'm like, no, I want that. (laughs) Like, even (laughs) if I end up hating it, I'm like, yeah, I got to try it at least.
0: So. So you moved from Dallas to Austin how, mm-hmm. Now, how's how's the how's the fishing compare in Austin? And I haven't fished. I fished Lake Travis, and I fished another lake a few years ago. I can't remember the name of the lake. And I wasn't even kayak fishing. I was boat fishing and bank fishing. Um, but how's the? I would imagine, like if we call if we stay with like Dallas Fort Worth area, you know, meaning Grapevine Lake, Lake Worth, and all those a Lake Louisville, those like city lakes, which I particularly not very fond of, but how's that compared to like Austin? How's the Austin bass fishing scene there?
1: Yeah, um, man. So I would say a lot more, like there, there are more people doing paddle sports, right? Yeah. Like that, you're going to see paddle boarders, rowers, especially down like lady bird. So there's a lot more like traffic in that sense. Like there's like a kayak launch on lady bird and it's, there's only like five parking spots and it's damn near impossible to get one. Um, So that's kind of been, you know, a shock to me. I mean, I, I I went to school at Texas state in San Marcos, which is like 30 minutes South of Austin. So like, it's not like Austin was completely foreign to me. Um, But that, but, but the biggest thing, man is water clarity. And so many of the fisheries here are highland reservoirs, you know, um, around the Metroplex anyways, like we're talking about in Dallas, that's like, you know, a lot of man-made structure, a lot of rock fishing, you know, docks, stuff like that. And then most of where I did like my kayak, um, like competitive fishing, even with like Duke's trail and stuff, it's kind of more East. Right. So we get into like these grass lakes and um there has been a surprising amount of grass here which is great like i love fishing grass but you know i fished the throwdown uh, on stillhouse and i'd never been to stillhouse and i was like man let's go do it you know just like hour hour north of me i mean really not far i didn't yeah. really fish it um at all and i was like reading stuff online it was like oh you know real clear water and um you know, I was thinking through like, what, how what do, do I fish clear water? So, you know, like watching my YouTube videos and a lot of people were like, Oh, morning Dawn is a great color drop shot. And I, I literally just took like three bags of morning Dawn and I ended up just graphing offshore and catching all my fish in like 20 feet of water on morning Dawn. And I ended up getting, you know, 27th out of 180 anglers or something. I missed a check by nine spots, but uh, that was, that was like some big time shock to me. I mean, when I looked down and I was just like, Oh my God, I can see the bottom and I'm in like 10 feet of water. That's that, that I just wasn't ready for that, man. I mean, that was, you know, definitely a new experience. Um, especially like on those East Texas lakes, you know, like, uh, fishing and fork and, you know, like Fork has yeah. like nice water, but it's like blue. It's not see-through. It's not glass. So yeah a you know, little,
0: little shock there for sure yeah like you mentioned the highland reservoirs it's it's a lot of it it's like I'm trying to remember the um the term I think it's like limestone karst, karst um oh, God, limestone yeah. so it kind of filters the water I think yeah. the closest thing we have to that here is Whitney lake which does have a lot of clear water I'm, I'm have you fished Whitney lake when you live in dallas I I actually did not fish
1: like Whitney. Um, I know it was on like, you know, the North Texas schedule. Yeah, last um, year. Yeah. Last year. And that was when I had like moved. So I, I'm a roofer. Like I sell roofs. Uh, that's like my job outside of, you know, anything really <laughs> like that is my job. Uh, I, I know all of us would love to be pro fishermen and all that stuff, but that's just not what pays my bills. So um, that's that's why I moved down here to Austin. And I, I unfortunately, like my tournament season this year got cut pretty short. You know, I started out on Fork, um, which was a super, super cold tournament. And I got seventh in that two day bassmaster event. Um, Garrett Morgan won it, which like that guy's the homie, so like super proud of him for yeah. dude. and that was such a tough tournament, man. Was I got nice. seventh with eight fish over two days. I mean it was it was it was rough um then i went to toledo bend for the hobie and got i got slapped dude yeah. i got i blank day one and uh anytime it's a two-day tournament if i'm not in contention i just uh i actually don't fish like i get out of everybody's way give them give them their space you know even if i went somewhere just fun fishing i ended up snagging like a you know a 20 inch or something that somebody else may have like run into that was like you know, in a position to get a check, I would just feel terrible about that. So I don't do that. um that went to like Palestine and I got first out of the money, which Duke's trail is awesome because they pay you for it. So I cashed yeah, a check there. It pays
0: you more than the last. And <laughs> yeah. that's, that's hilarious part of it. Yeah, <laughs> It's a hilarious part. Yeah.
1: And, and that, one, uh, that one stung though, man, because I, I started off that morning. It was real cold again. And um I actually lost like a 21, like first thing. And you know, like if I had had that fish, I had four fish, I would have gotten like third. So I was like, damn it. Um, you know, I was kind of trapped about that, but still got a check, man. And then, um, I fished a northeast Texas event on Athens and I got fourth. Um, so yeah, man, like it was, you know, I felt like I was having like pretty good success this year. Um, this is my third year, like you know, really fishing, like truly fishing, like, like in the way that we talk about it. Um, And then like, you know, had to make the move, all that. And while we were moving, there was just no way I could like start a new job, all this stuff, like keep, keep on the tournament trails or, you know, try to go do all that, man. It just got to be a little hectic.
0: Yeah, and I know what you mean. Sometimes you got to make sacrifices for mm-hmm. future mm-hmm. fishing days. By the way, for for our listeners, when we're talking about this year, I know the episode is in it's January, um, we're actually talking about 2022 because we're <laughs> yes. recording in December. So, for those out there listening, when Blake says so we or I say this year, we means 2022. I know it's, Maybe kind of confusing because when you hear this, it's actually already 2020. Yeah, I'll, I'll, try to, I'll, I'll try to keep yeah, but it's, it. Now that we have that disclaimer, we can keep calling it this year. Okay. I wanted to ask you because you, you have in the pre-recording, we you have a lot of knowledge about bass fishing here in Texas as far as what we call Florida strain, which I'm still trying to wrap my head around what is Florida strain. Um, In Austin, you have the Guadalupe bass, which is kind of unique. I've heard it's it's primarily in the Guadalupe River, but I've heard it's been caught somewhere. I can never tell the difference between a spotted bass and a Guadalupe. As much as I read on it and try to fill my head with knowledge, I'm like, I don't get it. I don't see what the difference is. So let's talk a little bit about that because now that we are in winter and it's starting getting cold what we in Texas consider the winter which is you know mid 40s to mid 30s how does that affect the fishing here do you feel now that you're in in Austin or even in Dallas how do you feel it affects the fishing
1: so you know we we have a couple of different species of bass here in Texas like we have Guadalupe bass which are in like the Guadalupe River and the Colorado River um so the whole chain of like Buchanan, Inks, LBJ, Travis, Austin, Ladybird, you can catch them pretty much anywhere in that chain. Like they're all connected. Um, we do have smallmouth, we have spotted bass, and then we have like our natural, like native black bass. And then we have what we refer to as like F1s, which are the Florida strain, right? Um, Texas Parks does an amazing job, yep. like, you know, putting F1s into our lakes doing the share lunker program. Um, Basically, you know, your F1s just grow much bigger, faster, and then they are more temperamental in my experience. And I'm sure lots of guys from Florida would agree. And to like weather changes, barometric pressure, stuff like that. Um, We're having a weird year that right now, I mean, I fished today and the water was 65 degrees. Really? Wow. (laughs) Seriously. I can't believe I'm saying that, but it's, it's weird because like they're the fish almost are like, you know, we, they're, they're kind of in like this fall transition Hmm. and they're not in like they're very predictable, like winter patterns. And it's almost like they're confused, like they, they are unsure of what, what's happening Um, because the fish I caught today were like super suspended, I mean, you know, over 20 feet of water sitting in like eight, nine feet, um, you know, catch them on jerkbait and running a crankbait through them over and over and over again. Um, but it's made them difficult to pattern right now for, for me, yeah. especially um, because a lot of lakes around here are highland reservoirs. So, you know, I'm looking for like deep tapering points or bluff walls and stuff like that. And they're just not in the places like I keep expecting them to be right because like it's not like they're in a fall feeding period where they're like at the back of a cove or like up the creek or whatever but they're also not on like their deep water spots yet either so it's there it's just like day to day they're just so uh like random or like fluctuating like up a mouth down the mouth like just back and forth and then like last night it got in the 30s here but in the day it was in the sixties. And so it was like, we had a cold snap. It was really post frontal the day. And they like, of course just suspended up off the bottom. So um, I'm not a live scope guy, <laughs> but today I really wish I would have had it for sure.
0: Yeah. It really seems here in Texas, it, there is that period that it's like doing a funk, like transition, they're spread out, right. Mm-hmm. They're not, they're not in their usual spot. They're moving from what generally they are in summer to what generally they're going to be in winter. Um, and again, th- n- like I've always heard, there's no, there's always this group of bass that are going to be local. There's always going to be this bass yeah. that are just going to be, no matter what, they're going to be shallow. And then there's this group of bass that no matter what, and it's smaller population, but they're going to be deep. That's just it. They're not, and then the, the masses are the one that, you know, moved according to the season and the spawning and all that. And it really feels like right now, even though I haven't gotten a, a chance to fish all that much, uh, kind of like you, I'm transitioning from work. But from what I've talked to my friends that are going out fishing and all that, it seems like it, everybody's really struggling. I did go to Eagle Mountain Lake, which was oh, super yeah. low, uh, by the way. I wanted to pull pull a Christine Fisher and hit those reeds in Eagle Mountain Lake. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Christine
1: had a good day there, but you—if you go there, you want to pull a gearbo. Mike. Yes,
0: I, that was an epic trail, man. Last year, KB, KBF, like Guillermo pulling out hundred and ten, I think.
1: Oh, 100. dude, it was like—I thought
0: the second place guy was like 110 and a J- half No, maybe Jody maybe Quinn was one hundred and nine or something. Yeah, and I think at the with twenty-seven yeah, yeah. minutes left. I think Guillermo pulled, like, a 24-inch and that got him to 110. Uh, yeah, did, that was epic. Crazy. G doing G things, man. That guy is goaded. Like, he's so good. That's why I think Guillermo has always been great. But that performance after that, he did, like, I think, I don't know. I'm still debate whether there is such a thing as momentum when you're going into a fishing tournament. But I really feel that was early in the season. That year, he had a great year. Dude, um, he okay. always has a great year but that, after that he really was like after that came the cattle lake at kbf national tour with him and and uh oh my God, cody milton. Yeah, and just milton yeah epic bloodbath one after another
1: dude okay first of all before i go any further momentum is totally real my first year kayak fishing i sucked like my i, I mean i guess to give you like more context like i grew up around people in my family that bass fish the bass fishing to us was like you throw a top water you throw a spinner bait and if they don't eat it the fish just aren't biting <laughs> like period like throwing worms stuff like that like nah that was none of it and so i i grew up near houston and i bought a kayak to get into to go catch redfish like i i cut my teeth on salt water i loved catching redfish. And then it was not until like four years ago now <laughs> from like, when you, like you released this, um, that like I moved to Dallas and when I moved to Dallas, my wife was like, Hey, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to fish like kayak bass tournaments. Like I want to do that. And I didn't know anything about bass fishing, man. I was watching YouTube and f- like just ingesting every piece of like thing that I possibly could to try to like understand like what I was getting myself into went to my first tournament skunked (laughs) got my ass whooped like four or five tournaments in a row and I just took it I just I stopped I stopped fishing tournaments and basically anytime I got off work any uh, like weekends I just went fishing like nonstop, and so I came back to, like, do, like, a fall series tournament, and I won that tournament, and then the next tournament, I got second, <laughs> the next tournament, I got third, and so, like, the momentum of, like, having the success and feeling like I'm making good decisions, and I'm making good adjustments and all that, dude, that is, it's so real, man. I mean, it it really is, like, um, dude, my poor boy, Matt Scotch this year, dude, he was, like, one fish away in like eight tournaments. I mean, he was like so close to being like top three in probably like eight tournaments this year, but it was just like, it just didn't keep happening for him, man. And so like, I think when you got that momentum on your side, it's like, you just feel like you can't step a foot wrong. And then like when things aren't going your way, it's like so hard to get out of that rut, man. Like, I mean, it really is.
0: And this is my opinion. And again, I'm not the most educated person to kind of like say, well, this is what momentum is. Because we it's really nothing that's a, that that you can quantify. But my opinion yeah. on it is kind of like the same thing in baseball. They always say in baseball, your momentum is as good as the next bishop. I think in fishing and kayak fishing and tournament fishing in general, I think momentum determined by any major change in weather right like if you are on a bite and you're like okay they're at this spot and it can be different lakes like for example if you're fishing local trail in texas and it's we we're out of the spawning season right and we're in the post spawn and you find you find what they're looking for and it really get and it really transfers to other lakes and you in that couple of months you're winning tournaments all of a sudden We get that first 100 degree weather and it's and it's just hot. It's sunny. And now everything changed for you. That's where I think most people, their streak ends when there's that change in weather that's going to completely change the behavior. I mean, for most anglers. Now, there are anglers like we mentioned, Gio, you know, uh, Drew Gregory, Cody Milton. There's a bunch of anglers that they just know. Right. They, they fish so long that they can tell when the pattern changes. Sure. But I mean, that's my two cents. And I can be completely wrong on it. That's yeah, just the it, way I speak. Okay. It. But like, so I
1: hear what you're saying. But all the tournaments I've done the best in personally is when I either don't pre fish because I don't have this preconceived notion that like they're going to be on this. Or two, it's that I maybe I have pre-fished and my pattern immediately I know like oh it's broken, like they're not they're not doing this anymore. Or I'm like, uh oh, my plan A didn't work out and I have to make an adjustment. And so when I was on like my little initial like streak of like a first, second, third, that happened to me in all three of those tournaments where I was like this is what the bite is. Um, like the tournament I won at Welsh, I had caught like 96 inches on a buzz bait in about 20 minutes in practice. I mean, I was like, I'm about to smash this tournament. I go out, no buzz bait bite. I throw it for like three hours. I'm like, okay. I mean, which is way too long, but I I was like, nah, this is it. Then my drive broke. And I like limp back to a a big grass mat and I start punching. I had not caught a fish there punching in like three trips. And I got in this one like little 10 yard section and I just jacked up like 92 (laughs) inches in like 30 foot little round area. And I was like, I, I don't know what to say, man. It was just like momentum seemed to be going my way. I go to the next tournament. My spot is totally blown out. It's super muddy. It's not like I had practiced at all. So I just have to go find clean water and I find clean water. And like in the two hours I got the fish, I threw up 90 inches. I mean, it's just like when you're making good decisions and you're able to adjust, it just seems like it goes your way, dude. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like that's just my experience. So for me, the Momo is real, dude. Like if you got a guy on a heater, just that guy's going to be on a heater for a while typically.
0: So you think it's more something mentally, right? Like your totally. mind is in the right set and right. Your mind, I'm sorry. It's in the right mindset. Uh, know, of course. It, it, I'm sorry. Uh, I sound, uh, but anyways. Um, <laughs> and that's, it's, so it has to be more about you know, your mindset. You're reading the, the you're reading the signs correctly. You're not overthinking it. You're confident in what you're doing. You're not trying to force a bite. You're, so it really comes And that's what what I love, and I can go on an hour talking about this. One of the things that I love about bass fishing is like you never there's nothing that makes sense in a way in the grand scheme of things. There's a lot of things that really don't make sense. It until it does. There's building blocks, right? For an for an angler like Jordan Marshall which I, to me, one of the most underrated anglers out there. Jordan Marshall doesn't have electronics, doesn't pre-fish. Dude, he's a live scope boy now. Well, mm. now he does. I, and I'm wondering, I'll bet you, and I'm not wishing anything wrong on Jordan Marshall. I, I love Jordan Marshall, which is the most, the, the almost success. But I'm wondering if halfway through the season, Jordan Marshall is going to just rip that live scope and say, <laughs> screw this, I'm not doing this. Because really, when you look at it, Jordan Marshall, okay, he doesn't, like, he won the Angler of the Year um, last year. Um, well-deserved, you know, there was a whole controversy about the double points on, H, uh, on the BOS, whatever. But truly, he's one of the most consistent anglers out there. So why would you change you that? Go. I mean, the the mindset is, if I can amplify... Um, what I know, and now use technology on my side, which is work. Look at your Miner. Your Miner is not only a great instinct angler like Jordan Marshall, but he's also this new generation of anglers, which are very proficient with live scope. We saw it at a Broken Bow. Like yeah, so he was there with that live scope, just yes. getting the big ones that nobody can catch.
1: Yeah. So there will always be a place for both, right? Yeah. There will be tournaments that will let your instinctual angler shine and there will be certain reservoirs or lakes that allow these live scope technology geniuses to shine. And when you get somebody that's very good at both, it's why I think probably complete wise, you know, Ewing is certainly top five for me. Oh yeah. Like he's just insane. I, I, don't ever want to fish against Ewing. Like, I feel like if we took the graphs off the boats, he'd still beat me. And if we both had graphs, he'd beat me. And if we both had live scope, I think he'd beat me. Like, he's just very complete. And a guy in Texas that is that way is Rolando Nandi. Yeah.
0: I was about to say Rolando Nandi, man. And
1: and we saw, I think that like for somebody that has very good instincts and is very meticulous and like map study and practice, and all that like they can be very good and have very good showings but like if they get something like live scope and put in the time to like mastering that for like rolando that's been just he's so over the top good now because he is a he he is like mastered that to to a degree that um whether you like live scope or you don't like live scope um it's not just you know he throws out and catches them in that in that way he he's like put in so much time studying it and that's just like elevated his game to be like when there is that in play in a tournament he will always be in contention and like that is what we all like want to do in tournaments um I know a lot of guys will be like oh I always want to win but like you just always want to be in contention. You want to have a shot and a chance. And from someone who has blown it on plenty of day ones and two day tournaments, take it from me. Like that's, that's what you want. You know, you're trying to like survive day one and and get through to to that next day. So
0: like, yeah, no, and and I, I agree with you, and I've said it on the podcast before many times. So, for those that listen to my podcast, probably tired of me saying this, but what Rolando did on Toledo Bend last insane. year, he this insane. insane, insane. You go. He does. He grabs the biggest bass on day one, which was amazing—an amazing, An amazing uh, feat yes. for uh, that lake. Like that. Lake, I... That was like that. That was the as the best result you can expect on that lake on Toledo Bend especially in the condition 30 mile per hour wins he does that it was the conditions i fished that tournament and zeroed oh yeah me too well i got two but next day so for those that don't know the next day during the night the temperatures dropped uh to freezing cold like there was ice there was ice on your kayak the next day in the morning that night he decided he was gonna change from Mind you, the spot where he caught the biggest bass on day one, which is as big as you can expect that day. It wasn't that if people were struggling. It wasn't like, and not to take anything away from like Garrett Morgan, but like it wasn't like, uh, even though it was a week apart, but it wasn't like of um, uh, Garrett Morgan on Lake Fork, right? Like that was crazy. Like we, we're not used to seeing that. Bass are not used to seeing that kind of cold weather. Fork um,
1: was a tougher
0: tournament than Toledo? Oh, yeah. Only three people got, I think, uh, a, a two-day limit on that. But the yeah. point that I'm making is, like, he got – it wasn't like – the like, Gary Morgan did a great job. But the reality is everybody else struggled, except for two, two or three people. But in this one, like, there was a lot of people doing well on Toledo Bend. There was a lot of big bass. Uh, men, so it was a competitive day men, one. I'll tell
1: you, though, like – and I'll say this wholeheartedly, like, Bass moving that launch time back an hour later on Fork hurt that event bad. I know that sounds but crazy. But had to, though, right? I, no. no. Like, we had to practice in it. So we had practiced in that. And, like, it was cold. Like, but it was cold. I mean, shit everybody knew it was cold. Like we all drove down in that. We knew it was cold, (laughs) but this is one of these things, man, like that we were kind of talking about. So I had a spot that I had found early in the morning in like 25 feet of water where they were like, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I went out and practiced. It was like 18 degrees outside. My line is freezing. I threw a jig down there, just one flip down to this spot that jig didn't hit bottom i mean they picked it up spit it out another one would pick it up like i had a massive school and so in practice over like three or four days i had pulled up uh six fish out of that spot my smallest was 19 and a half and the rest of them were all over 21 like i mean i was on a mega school but like they would let us launch an hour later and then, like, the tournament didn't start for another 30 minutes. So I would go graph and I would, could just see them, like, down there, like, dissipating. And I was like, no. <laughs> and, um, but, like, that was where I talk about this. Like, those good anglers make, like, great adjustments.
0: Yeah.
1: And so, like, what Garrett did is, like, <sighs> Dude, oh yeah, that I was nothing such away a crazy life. adjustment man like the fact that he could like be in an area that was stable enough to do that and all that I mean like that was you know like I rolled the dice man and like ultimately I paid for it um you know I still like work some fish up but like Garrett's win was like crazy impressive man like him and Rolando's last year or two years ago <laughs> from when this is released. Yeah. um that is the best two wins of the year, like period. Yeah. The, but the, the conditions were brutal. Yeah, it was. And, and even at Toledo, like, yeah, people caught some fish. But like Rolando was in in a like, there was really like 11 people that could have won that tournament. And when, when Rolando went out, they won and did that. He, he like really set the tone. And then his day two adjustment, like you said, was just yeah,
0: completely crazy. different part of the lake, completely yep. different techniques. Because like, that is, that is really ballsy. Like when you think about it, like I got the biggest <laughs> bass on day one, and I'm gonna change completely everything. going to based on what you think is gonna happen overnight, which hasn't happened yet, and make that decision. And I'm like, that is, I mean, that shows you, like that's that's not live scope. That's Rolando Nandine doing <laughs> Rolando Nandine things like that. That is crazy. Dude, he, he
1: he has just become such a solid yeah. tournament angler. Like, he's always been good. I'm not taking anything away from anything he's ever done. But in this past, like, since he added the scope, and he's, like, used not only, like, scope to catch fish, but to take information on how they're, like, behaving, right? Because, like, that's what makes somebody really good with scope is that they take, like, the feedback the fish give them to certain baits under certain conditions, and they're, like, Oh. I get it. Like if it's like this and this setup and this this and this like we 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 don't do that. Um you know earlier how you're talking about like building blocks. Yeah. I I, I like in bass fishing every day to like you go on the lake and you get handed in a Rubik's cube and yeah. some days you sit there and you go okay, I, I can't solve this. And sometimes it's like you turn one block and the whole thing's solved. It's really easy, but it's typically not that way. And so like these guys that are really good, they have more knowledge of like how to solve the cube, maybe not a hundred percent, but at least like 90%, you know, like they get it 90% solved on like those really tough days. And like, that's, that's the difference, man.
0: And, th- and that's where the, I see the, the part that uh, doesn't make sense in a way. It's like you get, for example, one of the uh, uh, most consistent anglers that we had, Drew Gregory. Drew Gregory is like he's questing kayak, small kayak, couple of rods, hit up a creek, um, and that's his style. And then you got Rolando Landin, which found a lot of success as well. 16 rods on his kayak, live scope. A biggest kayak right now in the market, you know, <laughs> yeah. a, uh, a PA 360, 14, a PA 14, 360. That's like, what I got
1: com- too. What's up, man? What's
0: completely up? different styles of fishing and both won big money this year. And it goes to show you that like, there's no one <clears throat> way. It's just building blocks. You try as an angler. There are things that you, I've gone to tournaments in Lake Fork where I did not pre-fished at all mm-hmm. and got second place uh, and, against uh, uh, Mark Pendergraf. Um, And I've gone to tournaments like uh, Broken Bowl, which I had the best two-day of pre-fishing that I've ever had. <laughs> and then come turn it, and I completely not skunk, but really did not do well enough to, to earn a check. And then there's tournaments like I had in uh, uh, Darnell, which I pre-fished. Two full days, I could not figure out for the life of me what I was doing. And day one, all of a sudden, I got almost 90 inches on a lake that traditionally does not produce 90 inches. Yeah. With yeah. the lone exception of, like, uh, uh, Brian Howell last year. Yeah. Uh, so true. it's it it really – that's what I think. It, it comes with building blocks. Like, you get to a point – like, Jordan Marshall, going back to him, he doesn't pre-fish. He doesn't really um, – do electronics like i think somebody told me i think ryan lambert said like the first time he did electronic was in the hobie bos up in what sweden like something like that it's like that's yeah. the first time for yeah. The, the, for the worlds. The worlds, yeah the worlds the world yeah the hobie fishing worlds right mm-hmm. um in uh in sweden for muskies like that's the first time you use electronics um and yet again he's one of the most successful and what i say by building blocks is like once you start acquiring information, I don't think there's ever a time where something clicks. Like if you start bass fishing, like I started bass fishing, I expected one day to have an epiphany and some on the water and have something click. And from that on, I was going to be a solid, consistent angler. And if, if you're waiting for that, that's never going to happen. What you have is little bits and pieces that start making sense. Like, you know, oh, this worked. But that doesn't mean it's going to work next week or, or it's not going to work in the, in the you know, if you if you found something on spawning season, I guarantee you it's not going to translate into the dead of summer in in Texas, you know, in August when it's 100 degrees and 90 deep weather on the water. So that's what I meant but like there are going to be little clicks that things are going to be like, oh, this is how you catch fish spawning or bedding fish. But that's just that window is about two weeks. The rest, what are you gonna do the rest of the week, the year, you know? Like, and then all of a sudden you keep practicing, you you find something in postpon that kind of alerts you. So it's just that building blocks where it comes to a point where now everybody makes sense, but you don't really remember every detail exactly when they started making sense. It just you're on the water, and all of a sudden you start looking at things and you start putting the puzzle together. You never like, there are no clues on how do you got to build the puzzle? You just got (laughs) there. Yeah. I I mean, I think,
1: uh, I think for, you know, like, especially talking earlier about like when I was struggling, like I just started going fishing a lot, man. I think time on the water is the biggest separator in kayak angling. Um, you know, it, it kind of makes me sad, I think, that some people dial it up to, like, uh, this guy live scopes this, that, the other, like, no, I mean, like, the biggest typical differentiator to me is that, you know, like, I'm someone that has a job. If I get to practice for a tournament, that's great, but it's not a given. And there is just a part of the field that takes it immensely more seriously or their circumstances are better. And uh they maybe have more flexibility, whatever it is, that they get practice time, man, or they can go fish more regularly. And like that is a big deal because like when you can draw an experience, um, especially on like a body of water you're familiar with, like that that is vastly underrated in our sport. I mean, they just yeah. don't don't pay enough attention to that. Um, Athens is like one of my favorite lakes like i love that lake um but like i fished that lake the most during the summer like when i was living in dallas and so like on that lake when it is hot i i just know a few tricks of the trade that like yeah. when they feel really tough to go catch like because i'm so familiar with it like i'm very confident there you know like Two of my biggest bags, both being over 100, both came off Athens in the dead of summer. I mean, 103 degree days. You know, when guys are like, "Oh no, nah, you're not catching it." I'm like, I mean, that's that's just something I got dialed, and it was because I spent time like trying different stuff and doing this and doing that, and like the time on the water deal. I mean, there, we we deal with so many people that like want insta gratification, right? Yep. Yeah, I mean, just like I I told you like before we started the show, you know, part of my my deal here in Austin is like I I want to fish a trail here next year, and so like I've not fished any lake more than like three times, but I fished every lake here already. Like I'm I'm trying to be like you know graphing stuff and looking at stuff and being like you know geographical features, what docks are deep, like that kind of stuff to be like familiarize myself with like, based on the time of year, like you're talking about and patterns that I've had success with in the past, like, where can I apply those things on this Lake? And that's a big deal. Like if you go to a Lake and you don't know, Hey, I've had success. Don't want to swim jig around docks, but they need to be have eight feet of water on them. Like, where are those? Like you got to know. So it's just it's just a part of the kayak fishing thing that I think when people like look at us nationally or people even talk about it in like amongst their friends or or this side or the other is like there is just a vast gap. It, I mean vast. Like if a Hobie tournament's two hundred anglers, I bet fifteen to twenty of those anglers maybe got to practice a couple days.
0: The rest Do of you us think showed so up more i would say right i
1: well, mean i'm
0: not talking about the whole week but no i'm talking about like the whole practice period which is probably gonna change by the next year. yeah right like right. like i would say like maybe 10 depending on the tournament right but like maybe if you're talking about 200 anglers maybe 10 of them are camping out there for like a whole week but that's what i mean like what is it aside from to, the local ones right
1: yeah but like 10 to 15 10 to 20 of those 200 anglers are spending the appropriate amount of time to like fish the lake figure out what the fish are doing day to day like i mean i know at least for me when i've showed up to obi tournaments like i've tried to take it seriously
0: yeah
1: and uh that might be two days of practice (laughs) and you know on a lake like toledo bend dude that's the second biggest man-made like reservoir in the nation it's the biggest in texas like that wasn't enough time. Like I don't have a motor <laughs> I'm yeah. just peddling around trying to figure stuff out. So, you, you know, like, it's just that, that is truly to me, just what, what will be and continue to be for kayaking, like just the differentiating line. So I feel talk about like, Oh, the same, you know, 10, 15 people are always in the top. Well, like, yeah, but those are the people putting in the work. Like it's not like it's not deserved. Like those those people earn that they they put in the time to do it.
0: So let me ask you this: Now that you mention it, what are your thoughts on some of the rule changes? And you know, since kind of like everything's kind of went downhill with the Bassmasters uh, series uh, at the end of the year, that's always been kind of that's kind of what's been the main topic: rule changes. Um, Some of um, there's three major rule changes that are people advocating for. At least the masses, you know, and everybody has their opinion. You know, I'm not here to say one opinion is better than the other. I get it. We're addressing right what the masses want, which is rule changes. One of it is um, define launch sites. Other is boundaries. um, And the other one is uh, practice times. Let's stick with practice times. What are your thoughts on practice times when we're talking about national trails? And again, national trails is different because local trails are always going to have it's going to have local ang- anglers, right? So that's a little <clears throat> bit different. But National Trails, which is, I'm going to say, like, you know, a difference from lake to Lake, but, like, ma- the majority are, of it are not even local anglers. Okay. So what do you think should be the rule? Like, I, I'm not going to stick to just one of those
1: things because they're all interconnected, right? Okay. Um, Because they all relate to the tournament in the way that, like, you want it to be ran or you want it to be fished. And so for me, um, I I think I'm probably, you know, fairly simple in the fact that when, anytime I fish a tournament, I want to feel like we're all fishing the same lake.
0: True. Which I think everybody feels that way.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, I'm (laughs) not (laughs) not
0: going to say everybody because there are definitely guys, most people I should say. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Most people that want it to be a like fair tournament yeah. and there are guys that want to um, push the boundaries of what that means. And I don't like that. I know a lot of people say kayaks grassroots. It's about finding that launching off the side of a bridge and this, that, and the other. Then go have a kayak exploring league is my opinion on it.
0: River Basin, you know, We're f-
1: fishing a bass tournament. I want designated launches. Period. Um part of that is and going to practice that like if somebody is there a week, you can go explore every back road dump off, whatever, this, that, and the other. And maybe that's part of kayak fishing that people really love. I don't love that. I just want it to be a bass tournament. Like maybe that's bass boat mentality. I don't know, but I don't understand why, like, if we all, even if we shotgun start from the same launch, I don't care. Like, I just want it to be a equal tournament for all. Like if you're somebody that wants to put in the time to make a run, like you have to in a basketball tournament, then that's what you're choosing to do. Like you, you choose that, like how you spend your time on the water. Like that's your decision. Um, in terms of practice time, we're really spoiled in Texas that our trails are run if not better <laughs> oh, then equally as well as a lot of national trails and that we have very good attendance. They're very competitive. Um, you know, Chris Morales, Duke Tran, those guys are putting on serious local trails, man. I mean, yeah. really serious. Like if you take home an AOI on either one of those trails, you've, you've done something for yourself. I mean, that's, that's just how it is. You know, hundred people, every event are close to, um, you know, specific rule sets about practice time and stuff like that. And so like, for me, um, I would always appreciate not having the lake open the two days before the tournament, just because I have seen at national events where guys that have already found their fish, uh, go to other spots and just wreck fish which i think is you know that's that's playing the game and it's yep. definitely legal um but
0: i don't like it <laughs> it's it's it draws along with one, what is legal what is ethically wrong what yes fair enough um so for me i just don't like that
1: um i i just want the lake to be off limits and but you know i know a lot of people like they can't take four days off work so for the national scene that creates a problem right um and and so that's a really hard question but as long as it's the same for everybody um you know i do think there should be very limited practice time i guess is if anything like if they want to make it a practice time it should only be like the day before for like six hours or you know, two days before and you can do like 12 hours one day and X amount of hours the next. Um, just just to to cut down on that kind of stuff, you know, I think I would like to see everybody there that goes to the tournament and be worried about finding their own fish, not spending time <laughs> sticking other people's fish. So because they've already found their spot like a week before the tournament even started, like that just feels weird. Yeah, But, yeah, I mean, that's that's just how I feel about it, though. But, like, I'm also not a guy that's fishing eight national events a year. So, like, to say I'm, you know, super qualified to speak on that, I think is, uh, I'm very objective about that. You know, like, I'm not gear mode where I'm fishing three different national trails and doing this, that, and the other. So, you know, like, really, it's a vast majority of guys that don't do it. Giving their opinions uh, to basically control like a ten or fifteen minority.
0: That's a good point. Like. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. And I think there's a lot of give and take, and and understand that because I think a lot of people want something, but they don't understand the ramifications of it. Like you mentioned, and I agree with you. And uh, when you say, and I've heard a lot of people say, like the day before the tournament starts should be off fishing or two days, like you mentioned. And I get that. I agree with that, but we have to think about what is, and I'm not saying you're wrong, by the way, I'm just saying, this is the other side of it. Like when you think about that, it's like, okay, what is the consequences or ramifications of this? Well, well, a lot of people that don't know how to run are not tournament directors. Here's the problem. When you go pitch that to a County or city says, Hey, we're bringing this, we're going to have 200 anglers. Yep. Um, we, and, They're going to say, like, you know, you have to give that information. Now, if you're not delivering on what you're promising, it sets a bad example. Um, And when people can be like, okay, well, what's going to happen? Well, people are just going to show up the day before the tournament and fish. So now you can't tell the chamber of commerce of that particular city and say, I'm going to pitch you that we're going to have, like, you know, about, I don't know. Out of that, we have 200, and a percentage of that, like let's say 100 of them, are going to be here for almost or a week or half a week practicing. Uh, Okay. So now that that now it's like, well, I'm not giving you money. That I'm not giving you that financial aid. If you're not going to get me. People sure. To come here and spend money,
1: and and, and I acknowledge the initial problem yeah. with it, which is not from like a sponsorship deal or Chamber of Commerce, is like yeah. for the anglers, right? Yeah. No, and I uh, agree with because you because like they may not be able to take four days off of work; they may only be able to take two. So I, I I did acknowledge that in my initial deal. No, no, secondly, and, I, and I'm not
0: saying you're wrong. I just wanted yeah. for the audience, kind of. Yeah.
1: Thing. So secondly, though, on that note. <laughs> And this has just been a theme with a certain national trail. And I'm sure you know who I'm talking about, but they always over promise and it always under delivers. <laughs> they always tell the chamber of commerce, we're going to have 18 million kayakers here and you're about to make bukus of money. And then 200 people show up, 50 people show up, whatever it is. Um, so like my concern from that standpoint, isn't as high because that's it's just nothing new for for the sport like um there's been a very strong precedent sent like set over like the past five eight years with a certain trail that like that is how they've done what they've done you know i mean they're not welcome back in certain cities but they've always done that and so like my i guess like you know uh like wherewithal or like how how worried i am about that aspect of it it's not as much as is this fair for the anglers because that's ultimately what i really care about is yes the people investing their time and their money into that trail i i don't really give a shit about (laughs) if somebody gets their paycheck or not uh in terms of like travel like or what is it you know like us us visiting the city yeah i just want the tournament to be great that's all i care about and that's why for me you know like when i invest my money i typically fish hobie because the tournaments are well ran they seem very fair like it's just hard to you know aj is just goaded in terms of you know the national tournament directors man i mean he really does uh it's the only time you ever feel like a professional. Yes. If you, if you fish the, the, those, um, national trails, when you fish a tournament with Hobie, you feel like a professional, you know, I had my drive break. AJ was insane about getting me a new one. He gave me a new one. He had his crew working on mine. You know, they had parts, all that stuff. Like it was, you just feel like a professional angler, man. I mean, that, then that's kind of, I think, you know, if you're a neutral that, isn't going to fish a bunch a year like that's kind of the place to invest your money
0: no I, it is i think I mean, by far you know heads and shoulders about currently what we have now granted steve owens is going to bass master hacks He's Dude, another i'm excited great for
1: that i am yeah. excited for that
0: i'm i'm cautiously optimistic and not i'm excited for steve owens is going but it's not the first time steve owens has worked there and the last time in my opinion i know i had steve owens on my podcast he mentioned that, you know, the reason why I didn't continue with Bass Masters or Bass Nation CAC Series, as it was called back then, was because of scheduling needed more time. But at the same time, you came back to it when certain people were no longer there. So to me, it's been one of those things where it's like, I love the idea of having Steve Owens. That's that's what everybody has been saying. You need to get a, a seasoned veteran kayak angler on the tournaments to run this not have a revolving door of who's running this tournament this time and why somebody that's never even stepped a foot inside a kayak running this you know kind of thing And, and and truth be told what the end product was exactly what we all expect nobody should be surprised at what happened in pickwick and all the backlash of it because that's what happens when you don't take care of the small stuff
1: yeah yeah yeah, i mean maybe i've got i've got some different opinions on that but i'll save it you know like uh, they that
0: that that was a royal. well and the reason why i mentioned that because that issue was has happened and happened a couple years in darnell uh, sure uh, i know uh, that same thing steve owens i'm not steve owens aj uh nipped it on the butt you go to a uh and i know you have you go to a uh Tournament, uh, to the captain's meeting, yeah, and and AJ is gonna be real crystal clear about what is boundaries and what it. So he leaves it, you know, he's very crystal clear on those captain meetings about boundaries and accessible waters and all that. That is because there's a seasoned veteran tournament angler running the show, being at the head of the helm, and we all know who it is and. Not trying to dig on other people, but he doesn't have an ego where he feels like that's what I love and the most underrated part about AJ. AJ does his job quietly. Like you never hear of AJ being this huge, try to word this diplomatically, but this huge personality that feels like owns and has the right to kayak, bath, fishing in general, and is this, you know. Bigger than life, personality, and ego. AJ just puts his head down, does his job, goes about it professionally, um, and that's it. And that's what we're here for.
1: Hey, man, look, 10 out of 10 on being diplomatic. Um, you have to be. I do not. Um, the difference is, and for so many of us that fish national deals, especially in Texas, we feel this burn, is like AJ's not Chad Hoover, man. I mean, that's <laughs> that, that just is what it is. Um, yeah, you know, if I have a question about boundaries, I can message AJ. He's very respectful and saying, like, no, this is like what I have, you know, set up. And I'm an, I'm a like nobody in terms of like somebody that regularly fishes his trail, right? Like, I'm not Jordan Marshall, I'm not Guillermo, I'm not Scotch. I'm just a guy with a question because I'm going to fish this one tournament. And he responds to me in a timely fashion. Doesn't act like I'm, you know, being an asshole about it. Like he's always like very cordial. Like he's just very good, and, and you know, just he's just a great face f- as a TD for Hobie, man. Like he he does yeah. that job
0: spectacularly. He does, and that's the thing about it. He just he knows the role. He's not here. Yep. we're not here. Like AJ understands. People are not here for me. They're here to fish yeah. the Hobie Bos. So that's right. The least... I, people get to know me in that aspect, you know, <laughs> better, you know. <laughs> yeah, he, so enough. again, props to him. But going back to Bassmaster, going, Steve Owen's what I, I love Steve Owen. He has the same mentality. Um, It's yep. just, my worry is like, is Bassmaster's going to give him the tool? Because he was there before. And the reason, in my opinion, Steve Owen hasn't said that, but in my opinion, let me be very specific. This is my opinion. When Steve Owen left, is because... He didn't see eye to eye with the current director of Bass Masters, and he didn't want to deal with it. Um, And we saw the result of how it's been for the last two years, where the biggest name in bass fishing for the last five decades can't even put a trail together uh, for three years. And it's each year has gotten worse and worse. Now, hopefully, hopefully, Steve Owens gets the liberty and the tools and the resources he needs to run this. The way we all know it can be run because everybody that talks about the um, national championship for kayak uh, for Bassmaster kayak series, everybody says, you know, I want to be in that red carpet. I want to be in that top ten that gets to the to to the podium when they announce it. It's everybody's yeah. childhood dream because we all grew up watching Bassmaster since we were little. We didn't grow up watching MLF or we didn't grow up watching uh, KBF because all those things came later in life. But for mm-hmm. us, your age, my age, we grew up dreaming when we watched bass fishing tournaments on Saturdays and Sundays, a little, you know, if we, if you love fishing since you were little, that was your dream being someday at a mass master, you know, podium being that final 10. So it has the potential. Yeah. Be- I mean, look, let's just say, you
1: know, bass release their tournament schedule. Massmaster? Yeah. When? I I don't know, but I've seen but the they schedule. did. Yeah, I thought they had.
0: Oh, that's weird. I did not even seen it. Oh, I don't know, it's I don't know if it's now. an
1: official one yet, but their schedule is very good. And maybe maybe I'm leaking I info. It. I don't
0: know. <laughs> I'm gonna have keep talking because I'm gonna research. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> now now
1: remember. now you're now you're making me worry. Maybe I'm leaking stuff. But I I I, I know anyways. Uh, maybe not public knowledge. Whoops! But you know, I don't see it I, on the on the Bassmaster Facebook page. Uh-oh. Yeah, maybe I'm in trouble here. But
0: I... <laughs> well, I, you haven't said what it is, yeah, so it's not I, a big deal.
1: I'm not, and I'm not going to say what it is. Thank God. Um, but I've seen their schedule. It's very, very good. It's very, very good. Okay, just feels like seeing instead heavy you, hand.
0: Can I in pressure his, you? Into confirming me if Possum Kingdom is gonna be on the trail, like I've heard. Aye. Right. Um well, those that are listening, not watching he wink. That's it. That's all yeah. I need to know. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah,
1: it, it, it's it's gonna be on there. Um, anyways, the, the schedule is very good. It is clearly from a TD that understands the lakes that do well for kayaks the lakes that Bassmaster wants to highlight it's what the kind of their schedule always should have been um it just feels like that got taken care of and that is at least for me a very very good start um like we knew Steve would get in there and like you know, like he he's got the creds, man. Like he he's so good, yes. and it was just if Bassmaster was going to give him the leash. Um, at this point in time, just from seeing the schedule, it looks like he's got the leash. So maybe maybe a bit of spoiler there, but
0: you know, no, and 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 it really, I don't understand why. I really don't understand why uh, John Stewart was just. I I remember that episode with the KBN last year, and I just. I listened to it. I'm like, man, I, I came in excited about it. And I after that episode was done, I'm like, this is crap. Like, I no disrespect to John Stewart. This guy does not know what he's doing. I'm sure he's great at Bassmasters, both tournaments. But, I mean, the way he came off, I'm like, yeah, I don't see this even getting close to to 100 anglers. And the only one that got 150, actually, I think it was 149, was um, – um Lake Fork, and people think like, "Well, you know, you can't hang your hat on that because you actually had fifty less." I, since thought a fork year prior. Was,
1: I thought Fork was one eighty nine. No, that was uh
0: that was the year before. That was the year before. Okay, yeah. I yeah. Guess that one I, too. I remember people saying like, "Oh, they did great." It's like,
1: "Oh, no, no, no not no, really. No, no, they lost no, no. fifty
0: anglers." The, this Fork was
1: one eighty nine, but because the the snow, oh, okay, yeah, it went down to in the freezing, it was to it was to one forty nine.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. I didn't know that, but it's still, it was less than the year prior, which Blake, tell me if you agree with this. I never understood why, like people, I guess they don't understand how Texas, people outside of Texas doesn't understand how Texas weather is. And I get it. Texas weather is crazy. It's unpredictable. But when I see national trails on Texas in February, I just like roll my eyes. Like, February and again, I've only lived here eleven years. But one thing, one thing that I've known, and mind you, I worked at the airport where airport weather, my job
1: was <laughs> yeah. really
0: dependent on weather. And I used to work at the off schedule operation office, which we kind of like. One, my job is to predict, kind of get a educated guess on how weather is going to behave based on the information um and kind of prepare for anybody that's going to miss the flight to the weather that was my job at american airlines here in, in texas okay. for a few years so i do know understand a little bit about texas weather even though i haven't lived it it was my job for five days a week it's just focusing on what weather was going to do and the weather patterns and one thing that i learned is like february traditionally traditionally like we've seen outliners like we never get a tornado in in december in texas but We had yet again, this year we had a, like well, 2022, we had a tornado and smack in the middle of December. So my point is it's unpredictable. But one thing that is constant is like the worst winter weather in Texas has always been, probably always will be February. That's usually when we get the worst weather. And yet they keep posting tournaments on February. It's like somebody from Texas not telling them that this is probably, and again, It could be the perfect weather, you know, it's, it's, it's unpredictable, but Uh, traditionally it's the worst month to fish. Armando, like, I gotta be
1: just dead ass with you here. Um, I'm, I'm a cold water guy. There are two types of like fish that I like to fish for, which is predictable fish and then predictable fish. Summer and winter when it is the coldest of cold and it is the hottest of hot, the fish are so predictable that I, I want to fish those tournaments, man. It irks me to death in Texas that we do not have a winter series. Like I hate it. Like I I wish there was because if there is a time of year that like you can catch the heaviest fish, the longest fish, it, it's it's in our winter, man. Like in February, if you want to catch some giants, I mean, like at Fork, when I was practicing, man, and those fish are 21, 22 inches, they all weigh six pounds. I mean, mean, they are so heavy at that time of year. And they're so predictable. Um, You know, like in your summer, you got, they're so drawn to shade. They're so drawn to drop-offs. The coldest water you can find, like, it makes it so easy. The difference is like, while people will still fish in the summer versus the winter is like your amount of feedback in the winter to get feedback is so tough. Like you're not going to go down any one bank and like throw your chatter bait, lipless crankbait, whatever it is. And just get initial feedback of like whether or not they want to feed or if there's fish there. Um, but, God, man, when you find them in the winter, they are normally so bunched up, and they're so predictable, and they're just heavy. So, for me, I know our Texas weather is just crazy during February, but I love those tournaments, man. I mean, like, for me, like, I I want, even if it's a grinder, like Fork was in 2022, that's okay. Like, I'm okay with that, man, because, like, that is... Like putting, like what you're talking about, the, you're building blocks to the test. I it agree like, with that. Like I, I agree h- with that. I hate, like my least favorite tournaments I fish are when the top 20 are like 94 to 89 inches. Because that's just like, the it was easy. Ball
0: year. Well, kind of broken ball where everybody goes catching it on everything.
1: It's just like, they'll eat anything. Yeah. Like if you put it in front of their face, they'll eat it. Like, that's not a true expression of, like, skill to me. Like, um, those dog days of summer tournaments, those dog days of winter, like, these cold, cold tournaments. That's why I said, like, what Nandine did on Toledo. Oh, yeah. dude, it, Insane. That weather was horrible. That water was cold. Like, that, it was just nuts. And what Morgan did on Fork, man, like, that was just crazy. But, like, to me, I was, like, those guys are really good because they did that. It wasn't like it was a summer bite where it's hot and they just found an area of school and fish or something, you know, like you got to really understand the way that like bass work during those months, because like they're it's not so much like a bait. They're like drawn to like a location based on their, you know, like biological systems. They're like, I have to, be here because like that's my best chance to survive it's not like some summer deal where you're fishing a grass flat and it's like oh damn they just came up right here (laughs) and you ran into a couple 20s or whatever you know so
0: i know and and i agree with what you're saying my point is like it's not for the masses right for people that are going to travel come here they're not really from texas because it should be it should be it's not, like, a lot of people, like, it's not fun for them. Like, I understand what you're saying. like But for the masses, a lot of people, like, we what we were just talking about, it, you know, it was 189 anglers, and it dropped down to 149 because of the weather. So, like, I understand what you're saying, and you're right. My favorite season to fish is winter here yeah. in Texas. Because, like you said, you can find them. They're usually grouping together, and it, they're more predictable. But it's yeah. not necessarily more fun. It doesn't necessarily attract more people which is at the end of the day what this tournament and uh directors want which is like let me get as many people as i can
1: yeah but let's but like let's be real about that tournament those people didn't come because like they didn't not come because it was cold they did not come because it was like icy and snowy and like the roads were bad and stuff like that like if you get a chance to go to lake fork in february if that to you doesn't sound like i'm about to catch my pb then you don't have
0: any business vision. No, but that's because, that's like, my point. That like 189 anglers signed up. So yes, a lot 189 people feel exactly like you and I feel. Yeah. But the weather in Texas is like you have to. You have the biggest chance of this going down the drain because it's February. Versus if you say let's move it to March, you will still have people come up here and think you know this is going to sound like maybe you still going to have and. Truth yeah, be told, but, the year before that we had it at March, and there was almost, I think it was 195 anchors. Right. Uh, but then you're talking about
1: a spawn tournament versus a like pre-spawn tournament, right? And yeah, so true. for me personally, like I saw Hobie's schedule where they had Cato, and it's during the spawn. I love Cato. That lake is amazing. And during That the has spawn, Cody
0: Milton reading all over it, by uh, the
1: way. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. It's like Cody but, Milton ordered that. But I don't want to fish that tournament because it's in March. I'm,
0: I'm going to fish it, but I, I feel like... I, I, I don't think
1: I'll fish it. However, they have Rayburn in September, which September That's is a ice. brutal month in Texas. I want to fish that one so badly. Like, that is a tough time of year to catch them here and, like... It's Rayburn. Like I, I want to finish that one so, so badly. Like I, I mean, but I like that. Like I, I don't want it to be a slugfest. I want it to be like a battle of, like I want it to be a chess game. I guess if, if that makes sense, you know. Like I, I love those type of tournaments. Like where you feel a clear definition. Even if I go to that tournament and I just get wrecked, it's so impressive to me that somebody figured it out rather than just finding five bed fish that were our big, you know, I mean, like I always am at least like the first term I ever fished, it was so cold, flooding Lake, super muddy water. And I got wrecked, bro. I got absolutely wrecked. And I was amazed. Uh, no, it was actually um, Pines, Lake of the Pines.
0: Oh, Lake of Pines. Yeah. That's a nice Dave,
1: Dave Newman won it and he caught like 90, one inches 92 inches i zeroed but you know i was a noob absolute noob and i was like it's cold they're deep so i was like trying to fish points and this that and the other but it had the lake had come up like five feet and dave was like flipping bushes and i was like bro how did he catch them when it's this cold in like two feet of water And then, you know, I got a building block that was like when lakes flood in the winter, that water is way warmer, they'll like flood shallow. And I was like, oh, (laughs) like, you know, like I, but I was so impressed by that. I was like, damn, like I, like it just blew my mind. And I was like, and the degree of separation in that tournament was massive. And I was like, that's how you, when you really know someone has like high level expertise on their craft yeah like when it's real tough and they still figure it out and they just blow the field out you're like damn that hurts but it, like you know because you got your ass whooped but um like I, I like i like seeing those tournaments man i really do like when it's just a slug fest and everyone catches them just Kind of doing whatever, and then it comes down to like one kicker. I'm like, meh. That, that's, yeah. that's 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 kind of entertaining to follow, but like for me, like I really like seeing people, like flex their muscle. And that's like, I mean, you said earlier, dude, Nandine at Toledo. Yeah. Like I'll I'll, I'll never forget that, bro. I like No, never. Like I, I just I could not believe his two day bag he put together in the way that he did it. I was just.
0: Top three tournaments that I've seen, um, that Toledo Bend, um, KBF Trail, uh, Trinity River, day one Saturday, Joe yep. Quinn and, uh, and, and Gio, yeah. and Cattle Lake, I think it was the KBF National Trail where him and Cody, Gio and Cody just were averaging 100 inches per day for like three days. See, man, that, that, one was, that was crazy. That
1: one wasn't as impressive to me because they could not fish just cato. They could fish bistonet and some other ones, and, and yeah. uh like bistonet was so low that those fish were trapped. So, like, very impressive. They found it, but not as impressive to me as what Garrett Morgan did it for this year. Oh like, no, yeah.
0: And by the way, Brian Howell got 106 inches on day two in uh in that tournament uh, <laughs> now, that was another i know one he did time.
1: bro because um after i fished my spot day one i like talked to brian and i was like man dude like i might go over here might do this might do that like i don't really know and he was like yeah i'm going over here and it was a spot that him and i both like you know know fairly well uh i fished that spot in a bass boat tournament and um Bro, he went over there and he killed it. Like I was, I'm, I'm always like, I mean, I'm a Brian Hall homer, dude. I love when that guy does well. So yeah. um, I was, I was so pumped for him because like he, he had the like guts, or maybe was like low enough, you know, that he was like, I can send it, but I, I couldn't do it. I didn't have the like. I was like, man, I got four fish here. They were all good fish, you know. Like I can't leave. <laughs> so, um. He had, he had the nuts to go do that, man. And, um, dude, I, I was like so happy for him that he, he smashed those fish, man. That was crazy. 106 inches, bro.
0: Yeah. No, Brian Howell is, it's, 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 it's really easy to be a uh, a fan of Brian Howell just because of his personality. Dude, he's, he's yeah. Amazing. Super guy. Humble, great guy. Yeah. Amazing. Hi, I've had you for like an hour and 20 minutes and I want to thank you again for your time. Of course. Um, I want to give you a couple of minutes also to thank yours, you know, whoever you want to thank with the sponsor, family members, whoever you want to thank. But before that, I got to give you three questions. Favorite lake to go kayak fishing? Athens. Athens.
1: Why? It's whatever style you want to fish. You want to be offshore. You want to fish shallow. You want the frog. You want to flip. You want to punch like it just kind of has everything man like that that lake is just great Um, uh the launch for kayaks is really easy they have a big sandbar there there's a great restaurant there on the lake yes burgers beers
0: like athens is awesome dude awesome i agree yeah the restaurant is really good um and then i and i heard somebody told me that um they some of the shared lunkers that they get um in the station that's nearby they just release them back they have a fishery right there um and they just put them back on that lake or not put it back on that lake whatever donate uh big bass Lanka, Toyota Sri Lanka, whatever it's called that people take there once they're done breeding them they'll release it to that lake and I've I mean I've gotten broken off by it insanely big
1: (laughs) bass. first time i fished it i'll just say you know myself personally uh i went and flipped like probably less than three feet of water during the heat of summer and i i chunked up 102 and a half inches so like it's pretty good (laughs) yeah it's a nice
0: lake (laughs) yeah um favorite lure
1: oh my god man um that's really tough for me man. I I am a tackle junkie. I throw everything. Um uh, can, can I come back to that? I'm sorry man. Like that that's right. that's so tough.
0: Okay, so we will leave that for uh third. Um with this it's only three questions. So I'm going to give you the last yeah. one then. Um favorite setup. Rod, reel and line. Uh Shimano, Cronarch, uh,
1: any of my Dobbins rods, man. I'm a huge Dobbins rods guy. Uh, but the specifics
0: of the rods, like?
1: Yeah, so like the 736, if I'm throwing a chatterbait, that CV glass is insane. But, you know, if I'm throwing big swimbaits, I mean, like, this is, he's asking me, like, really tough questions now because <laughs> I, I am the guy that, like, I am not a technique specific. I am not, like, I always do this. Um, I, I am one of those guys that like, if I want to learn how to throw a glide bait, I'll go out like four trips in a row and I won't throw anything but a glide bait. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm dedicated to being like versatile. Um, so man, I would say, um, probably like my favorite, like rod that just, it's like kind of a workhorse for me is, uh, a 735 from Dobbins. It's a jig rod. It's a Carolina rig rod, but I do lots of different stuff with it. Like I flip, I punch with it and man, that rod's just a workhorse. So I would say that's probably the rod with that Cronarch. Um, and then in terms of the bait and the line set up, it's probably 20 pound test cause we're in Texas. And the bait just depends on what I'm doing, man. I throw a flutter spoon on it. I mean, I, I jig with it. I throw Carolina rods, Carolina rigs with it. I mean, that rod kind of does everything, dude. I punch pads with it. Like it's, it's pretty just, if you want to buy a rod, it kind of do everything like that. That's a great rod. Um, man, favorite bait. God, dude, that is so tough. Okay. I got it. And you're not going to be pleased with it. And I hate to spill the juice, but I'm going to do it. Um, it's an owner flashy swimmer, the one on the tiny, tiny one with a 2.8 or a 3.3 Kitek.
0: Oh, those dad, that is that. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you, I'll spill some juice with you. That in Belton got me into the money. <laughs> I'm telling you that bait for the lone star throwdown. I meant, yes. yeah,
1: that bait anywhere is filth. Um. Yeah. Dude, all times of year, too, man. Like it it is such a nasty, nasty bait. Uh, if you don't throw it, you should. And if you're not catching fish on it, it's because you're reeling it too fast. Just yeah. let it go to the bottom and just creep it. I mean, it it will just god, dude, catch some in grass, skip it under docks. I mean, it it's an amazing bait, it really, really is. Yeah, it is. And
0: I, I gotta agree with you on that one. Um, all right, so before I let you go uh blake i'll give you a few minutes thank anybody you want to thank dude man thanks for
1: having me on Um, uh pleasure had an absolute blast just like talking about stuff i am actually one of those uh (laughs) kite fishermen that like i do not pro staff unless it's a product i believe in so i do not have people to thank like if dobbins wants to reach out and say hey blake we want to sponsor you, I would absolutely do that. But outside of that, man, like I'm too dedicated to uh the craft, bro. Like I love throwing all types of baits. I don't want anyone bait sponsor. And I definitely, unless Shimano and Dobbins call, like I'm not doing it. <laughs> like, I mean, that's that's just me, man. Um, I do want to thank my wife though, bro. She lets me do this kind of stuff, and she's absolutely goaded for that, like for real. So, man, other than that, man, like, to all the people that, like, grow kayak fishing, people that come fish to tournaments, all that stuff, man. Like, thank y'all. If you are someone listening to this and you haven't fished kayak tournaments, dude, go sign up. Go fish one. Let me see myself or Armando at a at an event. Dude, say hi. Like, yeah. I, I, I always love meeting new people in the sport. That is definitely one of my favorite things about the sport is. Um, you know, as an adult, I don't go to bars to make friends. I'm not in like chess club or any of that stuff, but like my friends and like, kind of my, like, you know, weirdly adopted family is, is the people I fish with man. And like, it's, it's, a, great a, family so, it's a great thing, dude. Yeah. It's great.
0: Especially in Texas. We got some great people. Oh, amazing. We have some amazing, man. Great. So and, and I give that advice to anybody, even if you're not a competitive person, but you want to learn to do kayak fishing, sign up for a tournament. Go to a local grass trail. It's not that expensive. And talk to people. Rolando Landi yeah. was one of the first people that I talked to, and I had a great time talking to him and learning from him. So, I mean, for those out there listening, listen. If you love this sport, even if you're not competitive, consider signing up, man. You, you get, you, people are not – after the tournament, I've, I've always said, don't ask people during or before the tournament what to – what they need to throw to win unless it's a good friend you like i'm like between friends we'll talk it's like hey what do you find what is that that's fine but you know i've always tried to like don't chase anybody else's fish but once the tournament is done and you're in you know in the presentation trophy go talk to people ask them they'll tell you yeah i mean that 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 is a
1: great take on it man um for me unless i'm in contention you can come catch my fish i don't care I love, um, you know, like, I definitely wanted to be a guide for a long time, man. Like, I love seeing people succeed, catching fish. So, like, if y'all do have questions or anything, um, you know, like, reach out to Armando, man. Like, he'll probably spill you some juice. Like, he provides these podcasts for you guys so you guys can become better anglers maybe understand a little bit of the drama, you know, like we're not immune to that in no. <laughs> kayaking. Um, but like that, that is like the great thing about the sport. Um, if you want to reach out to me, like I love talking shop, talking baits or whatever. I'm on Instagram at BK underscore Bassin, B-A-S-S-I-N 24. And like, I, I'm not opposed to any of that, man. Then like, I kind of throw everything, dude. So like, I just love the sport, man. Like, yeah. I really wish I was a better tournament angler where I went out and honed my craft to be like, I need to throw wacky worms and shaky heads and, you know, do all this. But I can't help myself. from throwing that new eight inch glide bait. I just <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's fun, man. You got to do what's fun, too.
1: Dude, it is. Hey, Armando, man, the first time I met you, uh, for all your listeners out there, that maybe you have a deep relationship with Armando and you don't know this. Uh, the first time i met him he was showing us this massive jackhammer bro like an <laughs> me, ounce man. and a quarter ounce and three quarters bro it was heavy <laughs> as shit and um he was like bro i caught my biggest fish on this ever like doing an amazing technique which is very hard to do by the way but like you know dredging it basically offshore and um you know, like he tells us his like heartfelt story about how the, like this lure caught us like his biggest bass ever, and we were like, "Yeah, man, we should try to like skip that under the dock." Yeah. Right
0: <laughs> Jeff Isham won that.
1: <laughs> yeah, and Jeff Isham is a skip master. <laughs> it absolutely like killed us in like the skip competition. But you know, it was like Armando's favorite lure, his like heartfelt lure, and we're like, "Ah, oh, let's skip it under a dock, maybe it won't <laughs> get stuck." And uh like that's just some of like the community stuff that like i love i love so much man like it was it was just so fun and like i probably still have armando's uh you know like chain and key lock for his kayak somewhere in my garage oh that's right
0: i forgot about that
1: yeah right um but yeah man like that was just happenstance getting to meet the dude and like freaking awesome to know him and these are like the great times you can like have and expect at like kayak tournaments. Like it's For those
0: that, that know the, the story, I'll, I'll give you a quick run of the story. We were at the Bassmaster Kayak Series. That was in 2021. Um, The tournament was over and we we're talking about the baits and whatever. And we're just shit talking and drinking beer and all that. And I was going on about my PB, uh, which was caught on a <laughs> like 20 feet deep on a jackhammer, black and blue, one and one quarter inch in the Ouch in no no and not ray roberts and ray roberts and we got the idea i don't know who came up with it that we're gonna skip it under docks but it wasn't a regular dock it was like there was like this four feet wide six inches above the water little like hole and none of us can skip it and we were are throwing it on a crankbait stick which was even worse <laughs> um and Jeff Isham on the first try just beautifully skips it under the dock, and we were all like going crazy after that. This was uh at the marina, and yeah. I don't know if you remember this. Then we found we saw a bucket at the other side of the cove. Yeah, and the trick was bombing it in the air and see if we can hit that bucket. The on bucket. The way Absolutely, down. dude. It was hilarious, man. It was fun, <laughs> fun times. Dude, yeah, but
1: I mean that's just the kind of stuff like you're not gonna see that when you sign up for a tournament. But if no. you put yourself out there, go have fun, dude. Like you're gonna have such a great time, man. Like it, it's just I, I love the sport for that, man. I really do. Like I, I've made so many good memories and met so many good people and friends, you know, people I would call friends um from it, man. So like it's it's definitely one of the best things I did in my adult life. And uh I encourage other people to do the same, man.
0: Definitely, definitely. It's helped out a lot of people. I, I love having um listening to the stories of uh of people that suffered, you know, uh served in the armed forces, mm-hmm. did duties and you know have struggled with PTSD and how kayak fishing has just kind of like helped them, you know, turn around their lives and deal yep. with some of the, the things they have to deal with. So it's it's an amazing sport.
1: Yep. I'm on like, before we go, dude.
0: Yeah, your PB. But, yeah, what's your PB? Uh, it was 22 and three quarters, which kind of like nowadays I look at it's like I was hoping by now it'd catch a 24-inch. I'm in Texas. Like I should have no, a 24-inch. I, I meant weight, bro. I don't weigh them. Here's oh. why. Here's okay. why. And I'll tell you why. Um, When I started fishing, before I got into kayak fishing, I would go bank fishing in Lake Grapevine because it was the closest lake to where yep. I lived. Well, no, the, Lake Arlington was closer, but it's horrible for bank fishing. Anyways. I was throwing a drop shot middle, and I hooked into this. And I have the picture somewhere. And I guarantee you it has to be about a 23 and a 24-inch bass. It was a huge bass. It was a post-spawn female,
1: Mm -hmm. um,
0: from what I gather. I'm not a biological expert. But it only weighted three pounds. And I was so disappointed. It was skinny. Like, this thing... Did not put much of a fight when I put it in the water. It did actually it did swim off pretty quick. I had it, you know, I took the picture, weighted it, um, and then put it back on the water. Back then, I didn't have a measuring board because I wasn't doing catfishing. fishing. I was before. I Bro, my you're kite. probably on three kilograms. No, no, no. It was it was skinny. It was a post pond female. I caught it like two like two feet deep, probably less, like two feet from the from from the bank. It was either. It was a late, very late spawner because it was kind of like really at the end of the um, of the spawning season, so it had to be a like late, late spawner that hadn't fed for like a week or two because it was skinny, it was paper thin, and I was so right. disappointed because I was like, and I, I'll, I'll show you the picture uh, someday, and I, I promise you, I have the picture that has to be like the twenty-four inch, like my whole. Hand up to my wrist, fit underneath that mouth of that bass. It was just a humongous bass. Right, and after yeah. that, I was like, when I found kayak fishing, and we're like, oh no, I'd, I'd rather go buy measurements. That <laughs> I was like, no, this is so. I should probably carry a weight scale on mine. But other than that, I think I must have caught something like a five or six pounder in Lake Fork on a Slay Nation tournament. The one I came up second. Uh, against uh Pendergraf, mark yeah. Penograph it was a uh, 21 and three quarters and it was a football it was yeah. really a football and I'm guessing there was somewhere in between the five maybe six inches I mean yeah. uh uh pounds but I'll say five
1: yeah that's about it I understood man just what is your baby
0: now now I have to ask you we record uh eight
1: eight two wow is is mine and being in texas like you said i feel the shame i don't have a double digit like i just feel absolute shame but she was only 23 inches long uh um,
0: only 23 inches long.
1: <laughs> no but i mean like for, for it to weigh eight two like that that yeah. surprised me because when i pulled her up i thought she was like maybe a seven maybe like seven and a quarter and then i picked her up and i was like no she's heavy and i like had a scale so i weighed her and she was like 8, eight 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 two eight 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 two six. So um I just call it eight two and um I, I like the only thing that was like sad was like I caught her in like real early December. So she was like very fall fed, but not her winter weight. Like if she had been pre-spawn weight,
0: e- easy nine, dude. Like she was so thick. And that's why I don't weigh him because you can catch the same fish. And depending on the season you catch him, it's like you still caught the same fish, but for whatever reason during the season, depending on the season, it has more value on people's eyes. You got to. So to me, a 24 inch bass is a 24 inch bass. Doesn't matter if you caught it spawning, pre spawning, summer, winter, it's a 24 inch bass. That's why I love the measurements. Nah. Nah, because my previous disagree with me being a guy gang. Nah,
1: my my previous PB was like a seven one, and it was only twenty and three quarters.
0: Yeah, but it, it, that, like it's you
1: said, seven one, bro. It was like, I mean, I have a picture of it on Facebook. Like, it is so fat, it's so girthy. Like, I mean, that's the deal about like taking the pictures and the length. Like, if I tell you, hey man, I got a 27.5, five, you're like. That's cool. I've caught about 15 of those, like 27.5. Like a 20.75. Oh, 20.75. My bad. I caught it 20 and three quarters. You're like, cool, that's not that big. And I'm like, that's why I have to weigh them because I'm like, no, bro, I weighed seven pounds. And you're like, there's no way a fish that shark could weigh that much. And then I show you the picture of it and you're like, oh my God. <laughs> no, maybe it did weigh seven pounds. <laughs> like, I mean, that's the only reason I like to weigh them is because, like, it's hard to conceptualize, like, length with weight. Like, if they're not built right, if they are skinny, if they're all this stuff. Because, like, you know and I know, man, like, you catch a 20-incher, sometimes they're, like, three and a quarter pounds when they're dead skinny. And sometimes as you catch a 20, bro, and that's a damn near five-pounder, bro. I mean, they're just built right. And uh for me i always gotta do that but i'm also a facebook police don't be posting <laughs> your three pounders
0: calling them Call them mom. <laughs> that's a good
1: one i'm friends with clifton allen okay
0: well, oh, good it. old cliff i admit it <laughs> all right blake i've had you uh for, what's going on now in 38 minutes we say goodbye for the last 50 but I, again i really do appreciate it. i hope to have you back on the show I hope to see you on the, on the tournament scene pretty soon, whether it's a local national trail wish you the best and the utmost success of whatever you, you know, both in your personal life, in your business and especially in kayak fishing. So thank you again for those out there listening. Uh, go follow the sponsor Douglas outdoors. I really believe in those rods are amazing rods. They got a new lineup of rods. It's going to be coming out in sometime in mid summer. As soon as that comes out, I'll, You know, I'll give you the guys' details on those. I truly believe that those rods are great rods. If you're going to be on the water, please, please be responsible. If you're going to have a couple of beers, drink responsibly, drink in moderation. Please make sure you make it back home to your loved ones. This has been the Bass Kayak and Beers podcast. Have a great day, everyone, and peace out.